Hello and welcome to The Hurt Take. This is the MMA show by the fans, for the fans. I'm all alone this week. It's been a few weeks since we've been on the air, I guess, but this week I'm all by myself. My uh, faithful comrades, Taylor and Mitch, unaccounted for. Okay, that's not true. They are accounted for. Their schedule's... Did not match mine, so this week I'm going at it alone. I'm going at it alone the week after UFC 212. One of the biggest, most interesting headlining fights in perhaps UFC history. In terms of the matchup, Jose Aldo, Max Holloway, holy shit. People, it lived up to the billing. I don't know about anybody else. How anyone else feels about this, for the most part, seems to be critical reception online was it lived up to the billing. I, I mean, I don't see how you could watch that fight as an MMA fan. I don't know how you can watch that fight, having, having never watched the sport before even, as a noob. I don't know how you could watch that fight and not think it was a good fight. There were a few fights within a fight, even... Even in the matchup itself, the way that it played out, Aldo seemed to control that first round. Holloway started slow, which he he has a tendency to do. But then all of a sudden it seemed that Holloway started getting back into it. And, and then the third round was a completely different picture. So the flow of the fight, man, very interesting. Very, very, very intriguing. Now I have to say right off the top, for many hardcore fans, I think... This was a this was a tough fight to watch in the moment and a bittersweet feeling after the fact. You know, the hardcore fan base, I, I think the feeling is that, that Jose Aldo is a revered and loved champion among the hardcore fan base. The, the average fan, the casual fan base, you could be easily forgiven and totally understandable that you, you don't like Jose Aldo. At least the modern-day version of Jose Aldo has evolved to be a very conservative fighter. Guy who paces himself. Guy who doesn't use all the tools in his toolbox if he doesn't have to. Of course, you know, why Why would we revere that guy? So the casual fan, not so much. But the hardcore fan, very different story. I think for the most part, people really, really love it. Uh, really love him. And in this case, watching... Max Holloway utterly just shellack him, beat the sweat off of his brow. I mean, that finish was just a, a brutal finishing sequence. Uh, as brutal, if anything, because Aldo was so tough and stayed along for so long. But that was tough to watch. That was tough. And, and, then, and then watching Aldo after the fact, he was devastated. It looked very similar to what happened after his loss to Conor McGregor. Just devastated, despondent. Now you get the feeling, I get the feeling at least, that 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 if what you know about Jose Aldo's story, where he comes from, this is a guy who overcame a lot of odds, came from a really bad area in, in Rio, overcame a lot of long odds to become what he became to become the UFC featherweight champion, to become one of the greatest of all time. And so I think that for him, 
that's a pretty devastating experience. This is a guy who's who's invested a lot and so much of his life has gone into this. So that was tough to watch. Bittersweet, I, I think, would be the word ultimately because while Aldo was toppled, we saw the rise of Max Holloway. And there is everything to love about Max Holloway. This is a very exciting fighter, a very exciting ascension to the throne. Now, a lot of people are throwing around this idea that maybe he's the new breed, some kind of new breed of fighter. And I'm, I, don't, I don't necessarily buy that. I don't think that, that Holloway is some evolved version, uh, some, new, some new version of, of an MMA fighter. Like he's setting some new bar that everyone's going to try and follow. Yeah, he's got, a, he's got a good style, a very unique style. He executes it well. But I don't think that he's shifting the paradigm by any degree. Listen, the fact is, he's young, he's 25, all dynamic prospects are supposed to be young, they're supposed to ascend quickly, so I don't think that that says anything about him being a new breed, so much as it says that this guy is as talented as he has now shown. It has all come full circle. So it's very exciting to see Max Holloway take that crown for himself. Now, most people, I think, agreed that the dynamic for the fight would be who set the pace and the distance. Both of these guys, completely different. The way they set the pace, the way they set the distance in fights. Aldo very much has evolved into a fighter who sets a slow pace. He essentially takes away all the tools, your strongest assets, away from other fighters. Uh, when it comes to, like, grapple boxer guys, he denies them the takedown um, and counters you know, really picks guys apart who have rudimentary boxing. He turns the fight into his fight. He slows the pace down to the point where his ex incredible uh, quickness and reflexes can, can dictate who wins exchanges. Holloway, on the flip side, Holloway is a volume guy. He's a pressure fighter. He'll come towards you, and he pours on volume. He's very patient. He chooses smart combinations and shot selection, which I think is a really important thing, is that the, the, the strikes that he uses in combination are always very educated. You know, he'll set up a body shot with a head shot. He'll set up strikes with feints. You know, even the, even the, the sequence that he dropped Aldo with, you saw him throw, uh, I think initially it was a jab, and then followed up with a straight, and when Aldo lifted his hands and then dropped them back down after the straight, he immediately, he was waiting on that and popped him with the same combination again. And both the strikes, one right after the other, popped Aldo's head back and just dropped him onto his butt. So that was ultimately, I think, the dynamic that, was, that we all expected to see was would Holloway be able to set that pace, set that volume? He throws double the amount of strikes per minute that Aldo does in their careers. Large, I think it's something like... Uh, hovering around 6 for Holloway per minute, and Aldo's was hovering around 3.8, something like that. So that was kind of what everyone expected. Would Aldo's incredible counter-striking game, uh, incredible layered defense, hold up against Holloway's uh, layered offensive game? And we kind of saw how that, how that went. Initially, Holloway was very timid. He started off, he was very timid, 
And uh, the first round didn't look like the Holloway that we, you know, that we've seen dominate. And Aldo ultimately, I think, won that first round by virtue of, uh, you know, he would counter a lot of what Holloway was throwing at him. Holloway would come in there with some of his volumes, and he, and Aldo's tactic would be to counter and counter hard. You saw him; he was throwing very hard on those counters, very similar to his second fight with Chad Mendez. It seemed like he was throwing barn doors on his fists, just throwing huge. So, in essence, I think he was trying to scare Holloway away uh, with his counters, trying to scare away that volume out of Holloway, make him think twice about coming in and and throwing multiple punches at a time. You know, but Holloway, here's the unique thing is as the fight went along, it didn't really scare Holloway away. You know, Holloway's never really been afraid to get to get hit before. Uh he fought Conor McGregor, wasn't took Conor's left uh left straight. That that's a fight that disintegrates people, that turns people into you know, liquid form. Melts guys. He took it and what and kept on going straight forward. Ultimately lost that fight, but as we see, Holloway's not afraid to take guys' best shots. And I think once he felt Aldo's power and took it and realized that he could keep pressing forward, that was a, a, a turning point in the fight. He felt the power and he knew, I can, keep, I can keep pouring on my volume. I can fight my fight. I don't need to be afraid to push forward. Aldo might counter as hard as he can, but I can take it. I can keep going. And then it seemed that Holloway was doing a really, really good job of attacking kind of Aldo's center line. You know, there's a, there's a lot of – you fight on straight lines and you fight on angles. And one of the things is, is as the sports evolved, more and more guys are learning um, to fight on angles. You know, pivoting off, taking a different angle after combinations to set up another punch um, or kick. You know, it's no longer this this sport where – People stand directly in front of each other, and when they throw, they're, yeah, they're still standing directly in front of each in front of each other. It's very much guys are throwing and then taking a new angle off, and then setting up their next shot, and it allows them to keep throwing punches, and that's what, part of what Holloway is so strong about. And so, I think Holloway was doing a good job attacking Aldo's center line, using his jab, um, used a couple couple little kicks, but mostly he was using his jab and attacking. Aldo straight on. He wasn't committing too much. He wasn't throwing too hard or stepping into his punches too too uh, deep. Um, and he was using a lot of feints. And what seemed to happen was eventually Aldo was starting to flinch uh, later in the in the second and then especially in the third. He was starting to flinch. He was starting to try and slip punches that never came, and that ultimately set him up to to take more shots that Holloway actually threw. Um, because you know, the, the, the use of a feint is you fake a punch, you force the guy to start reacting to it and then you throw the actual punch. And maybe this time the guy thinks you're not going to throw it just like the feint and he doesn't react and he takes the punch or so on and so forth. Or it slows down the reaction time. It's kind of like a, like a football comparison would be uh, a hard count, right? If you're a great quarterback can go out there and hard count you and really slow down the pass rush. And Holloway was kind of doing that. And so I think another unique aspect to this fight was that 
Holloway did what so many Aldo opponents have hoped to do, which is to tire him out. Most guys, they they think that they can get Aldo to tire out by the fourth and fifth round, but they don't actually do anything necessarily to really make that happen. They kind of hope that Aldo's going to tire out on his own. They try to make the fatigue uh, just manifest itself but that you can't do that against a guy like aldo because he'll slow the pace down and he'll just start countering off of you if you're not doing anything to 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 really force him to be tired um other than a guy like mark hominick who you know full credit to uh, conor mcgregor's trainer that john cavanaugh his coach um in, in the lead up to this fight there were a few interviews with him and he, he correctly predicted that aldo's fought a lot of uh boxer grappler wrestler types and the guy who had the most success against him was not one of those types, and that was Mark Hominick. But, of course, Hominick isn't an exceptional athlete. He wasn't really an exceptional athlete, but he was a patient striker, a good comb- combination striker, a good boxer, and a guy who could bring pressure on Aldo. And that paid off. We saw Aldo tired out in that fight because Hominick forced him to work. And that's exactly what that Max Holloway did. And we saw by the third round, Aldo started to take some deep breaths. He didn't look like his reflexes were on point. He looked like he, he was starting to tire. I don't think he was tired at that point, but he was definitely starting to feel the fatigue and his, you know, incredible reflexes were slowed down. So I, you know, Holloway did a fantastic job ultimately bringing that fatigue out of Jose Aldo. And another point that a lot of people wanted to bring up was Aldo's lack of leg kicks. I think he threw a couple, but in this instance, it wasn't so much what Aldo wasn't doing. It was what Holloway was doing. Um, there's some great articles that kind of broke this down a little bit, but you'll see that that Holloway was taking a very squat uh, stance. His front leg, his knee was really bent out, and Aldo threw a leg kick, and what ultimately happened was Holloway was ready to counter off that leg kick right away. And by taking a very deep squat um, stance, Aldo's leg kick ultimately kind of rode up his thigh and allowed Holloway to step in, and he countered him, and he and he caught him a couple with a couple of good shots. And so ultimately, I think that 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 really kind of scared Aldo off from throwing his leg kicks, and and he might not have felt he had another opportunity, but Holloway really kind of technically. Threw, threw him off. Um, now, Andre Pedneris said that also Aldo didn't go for any takedowns, which was part of their game plan. So that was interesting. A lot of people were saying before the fight that they expected Aldo would probably try and grapple, and he ultimately didn't. A couple of the times they clinched, he got immediately out of the clinch, which, of course, is different from, from going for takedowns. A clinch is a bit of a different... Uh, it's a different area. So every time he clinched, he got out of it because Holloway is a, is, a, is a tough clinch fighter. Um... But he didn't go for any takedowns, any explicit takedowns. So that was kind of interesting. Now, I think one of the things is is now a lot of people are questioning Aldo's legacy. We're saying is his legacy in jeopardy? Listen, you lose a fight, that's part of your, that's part of your legacy. It's going to follow you. But I think this is way too soon to judge Aldo's legacy. Way, way too soon. You know, I, it kind of drives me nuts when people want to start talking about a person's legacy before their career is even over. I mean, you know, the ink is far, far, far from dry on Aldo's career, and people are questioning, is this going to damage his legacy? I mean, it's not going to do his legacy any good. He lost the fight. 
That's not going to damage his legacy. You know, everyone wanted to talk about LeBron James's legacy in 2011 after losing his second NBA championship, you know? When's he going to win one? You know, we judged LeBron James when he flipped to Miami, and people said he couldn't win at all. That's going to damage his legacy. You know, people said it when he lost that first uh, NBA championship when he was with Miami. People judged judged his his uh, legacy. You know, they judged it after he lost two more consecutive NBA championships, first with Miami and then when he went to Cleveland. But then quietly we look back and we say, man, LeBron James is... His legacy is is easily one of the greatest of all time. And some people are now even saying they think he's better than Michael Jordan. So we judge too soon. You know, ultimately, I think a legacy is is as much about the competition as it is about yourself. You know, do you lose to the next definitive fighter? That's going to change his legacy when we look back on it. If Max Holloway doesn't, doesn't play out as the next definitive guy at featherweight, if he loses his next fight and then kind of washes out, yeah, that's going to hurt Aldo by comparison. Maybe it'll bolster it. Maybe we'll say, oh, it was just a fluke. You know, Matt Hughes lost to GSP. That doesn't really damage Matt Hughes' legacy. Rich Flank- Franklin lost to Anderson Silva. It doesn't really damage his legacy. They lost to the next great. I think ultimately what damages a legacy about who your your competition would be is is do you lose in a very public fashion? You know, Roberto Duran, the no-moss loss to Sugar Ray. And in this instance, that brings up the McGregor factor. That damages his legacy, Aldo's legacy, more than anything. Losing in 13 seconds. That is for sure going to be talked about. The Holloway loss, I don't know. It's yet to be seen. I don't think it's really going to be a a big thing. You know, we need to wait until career's over before we really start judging a person's legacy. Look at Roger Clemens, for God's sakes. You know, his career is completely looked at differently after it was done because we didn't know he was taking steroids. So, there you go. Now, big question, where does Aldo go from here? Where does Holloway go from here? Good question to ask, especially in Aldo's case. He's an infrequent fighter. But this is a guy who's 30 years old. 30 years old. I don't... I see him getting another title, uh, getting back in the title picture very soon. His last fight against Frankie Edgar arguably was his greatest performance ever. So, this is not a guy who's going away. And some people say maybe he should get an automatic rematch against Holloway. I don't see that. But I see Aldo going into a match against a top contender, someone like a Cub Swanson again. Get Cub back in there against Aldo. Cub's looking, aiming for a title shot. Put them in there. And then elevate Aldo back to a title shot after that. Go for go for two against Holloway. Because if you ask me, you put Aldo in there with Holloway again. I don't know. After seeing the way that fight played out, I don't know that he would win a best two out of three kind of thing. I'd be a lot more confident, honestly, that Aldo could take two out of three against McGregor. Maybe not Holloway. But this is Jose Aldo we're talking about. So I, I think he'll be back in the title picture very quickly. What about What about Max Holloway? What does the new champion do? He says he's seeking to clean out the division. And I think he will. I think he'll he'll attempt that. Uh, I think the Frankie Edgar fight, everyone seems to agree. It seems the most logical. In Hawaii, our buddy Mitch thinks that's the fight to make. Can't, can't disagree with him. So, what a, what a great fight. It really was a testament to uh, both of those fighters' ability and... You know, every once in a while, the UFC can put together a truly remarkable 
uh, fight like that. It was phenomenal. Also on the card, largely kind of a weak card for the most part. There were some, there were some good journeyman fights. There were some good, good scraps on there. But I think the big news on that card was Claudia Gedalia. Strong performance puts her firmly. Uh, unfortunately, it puts her firmly in the Joe Benavides, Benavides territory, where she could get a third crack at Joanny and Jacek. But she's already lost to her twice. Now this is the case of the number one contender having lost to the champion more than once and not having a win to boot. You know, if, if she goes up against Joanny and Jacek again and loses, boy, that's three against the champ. That's, you Basically, that's a glass ceiling right over the top of her career, rest of her career. It's be interesting. She looked great, as usual. Uh, Still a bit of a one-note striker in a lot of ways, I guess, maybe. My opinion. But very strong. The, I would say the hardest hitter in, uh, in that division. And has tremendous control in the grappling game, as you saw in the mat against Karolina Kovalkiewicz. And I think getting that the finish there was big for her, too. Very big. It really puts a, an emphasis, a stamp. On that performance. I'll be quite honest. I would rather see her go up against. Rose Nama Yunus. And, and see which one of them gets the. But I don't see that happening. I'm still not sold on Rose. I know Mitch, Mitch is. Mitch loves her. But not me. We'll see. We'll see. Claudia is definitely. Definitely right there. I think she'll be. I think she'll be getting a title shot very soon. So other than that on the card, disappointing debut for uh, uh, our friend Marlon Moraes. Disappointing debut. Looked good. Uh, ultimately, his fight with uh, Rafael Asuncao, kind of boring. Not a lot going on. And, he, you know, Asuncao is a top three uh, uh, top three bantamweight, has been for a while now. So it's not a surprise that... Marias lost, but still, not a lot going on on that card. Not a lot. Now, we didn't do a show last week, so I have to just quickly bring up Alexander Gustafson. His victory over uh, Glover Teixeira, huge win. Huge win. Puts immediately uh, puts him immediately back into the discussion for the light heavyweight title, which isn't saying much, honestly. It's a pretty thin division, really thin. I mean, that's evidenced by the, some Udini hybrid guy. I, I don't even, I honestly didn't even know who he was when they stepped him up on the card and they started, they were talking about him promoting him against Misha Serkinov, who I was familiar with. I thought, who the hell is this guy? Those are two, t- those were like top eight fighters. Serkinov, I was like, okay, new, new guy, really talented, but he was top eight. And this Udenheimer zinger guy, I didn't even know who he was. I actually had to look him up. I didn't even know he'd fought in the UFC before. Ovin, he beat Ovin St. Preux. Okay, great. Well, what? That is the light heavyweight division. Very thin. Very thin. So Alexander Gustafson's win is definitely going to put him in that discussion. I think that it's uh, realistic to think he could get a crack at the winner of Cormier Jones. I'd like to see that. I don't think Jimmy Manawa is necessarily, but that's just me. 
Now, there's there's sort of a uh, a bit of a trend on this on this show. I mean, Gustafson is in that spot again too. Um, well, I st- unlike a lot of people, he's not in that Gedalia, Benavidez, Edgar kind of area. Now, like a Stephen Thompson, he's only lost to the top guy once. So he's only lost to DC and or Jones, whichever one is the champ. He's only lost to each of them once. So there's there's realistically he could. Uh, he could get a crack at either one of them, and maybe even a third crack at either one of them. Either one of them, depending how it goes, I guess. But a great performance by him. Really good to see him back in there. A little bit disappointing to see that his defense hasn't really improved all that much. He still, he still can get caught. He can still. I mean, he was doing that sort of turning and running thing, and a lot of people were saying, "Oh, he's a he's a chicken," and he's. That's a bunch of bullshit, okay? He's trying to get to the center of the cage, trying to angle out, um, which is all fair and good. It's just that the turning and running thing is actually technically not the smartest thing to do. It's, it's You would never turn your back on someone in a fight. They just clock you upside the head. You know, there's there's better, more efficient ways to angle out to try to get to the center of the cage that actually keep you in a position to throw back uh, and not get clipped in the head and keep your opponent kind of in front of you and see where they are and he wasn't doing that and he he still got some bad habits and I don't think that they're going to improve. I mean his 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 striking his his boxing everything is technically it looks a lot more crisp. But if your problems are still there and everyone sees that I don't know. Bit worried about the 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 long-term consequences of that. Now, this weekend UFC Fight Night, pretty weak card out of Australia, but there's a there's a headlining fight: Derek Lewis versus uh, Mark Hunt. That is a very exciting matchup. Derek Lewis, of course, is ascending. Could get a title shot with a win. Mark Hunt, always a very exciting guy to watch. Striker, super inconsistent and uneven throughout the course of his career. Seems to go through these peaks and valleys, and I don't know what. But very interesting matchup. Lewis is one of those incredible heavyweight fighters who he has. It's like he has no particular mastery of any skill, but he has a great natural feel for fighting and a really good killer instinct. Knows how to pounce on guys when the timing is right. Meanwhile, Mark Hunt might be on the precipice. Might be might be near the end. But heavyweight's so weak that you know he's the kind of guy that you could keep around, depending on how his legal troubles legal troubles not his legal troubles but depending on how his legal situation with the ufc goes maybe we won't see him anymore i don't know you know with a win lewis immediately could be in the discussion for a title shot you know i mean the rumor is the ufc is looking to do junior dos santos versus francis Ngannou. i'd love to see lewis versus miocic next and see the winner you know and see if Ngannou can get past dos santos he gets the winner of Lewis Miocic. That's the way I'd like to see it play out. Elsewhere on the card, you've got some notable names. John Moraga, uh, former title contender at flyweight. Tim Elliott, former title contender at flyweight, now up at bantamweight. Derek Brunson, he of the loss recently to, you know, controversial loss to Anderson Silva, but also, more importantly, his chin-first sprint towards uh, Robert Whitaker in, in their fight. Whitaker just cleaned his clock very strange fighter who seems to kind of lose himself sometimes but still 
Very interesting matchup in this case because he's fighting the killer. The dad bod, Daniel Kelly. Judo, Daniel Kelly with the knee braces on both knees. He's 40 years old. This is a guy who's actually remarkably getting better and improving from fight to fight, which is incredible considering his age. And it looks like he's just destroyed his, his knees and all these. Very interesting matchup. Very interesting matchup. I will say that that if anybody loses to Daniel Kelly at this at this point, you should really seriously evaluate things. Not because Daniel Kelly's not a great fighter, but because he's working from behind the eight ball. If you're ever fighting Dan Kelly, you are younger, you are more athletic. So losing to him is really not a good look. It's a tough, it's a tough out, but it's an out you are supposed to take. So I really hope Derek Brunson can come through on this and, you know. Keep his name in there because he'll be around longer than Daniel Kelly will, theoretically. So, But also on this card, pay attention to Alexander Volkanovsky. Okay? Uh, very exciting prospect. UFC de- debut was a finish. Uh, riding a six-fight finishing streak, I think, and nine wins consecutively. Despite having the name Volkanovsky, he's actually Australian. I know, it's very confusing. But he is uh, he's fighting Ben Wynn. Should be an interesting matchup there. So that's it. Bit of a longer show. Boy, I didn't think I could talk for this long. Not without Mitch in the house. Not without Taylor here. But hey, I handled it. I did it by myself. Look, Ma, I did it. I'm so proud. Maybe I'll start taking a, Maybe I'll start taking these. Uh, taking this on by myself. Who knows? It'll definitely save me. You know, expenses. I'll stop having to pay those guys. We hope to have Mitch or Taylor on here again soon. It's a tough slog going at it alone. I like the sound of my own voice and everything. Jeez. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Until next time, this has been the Hurt Take. I am out.